Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, I'm, I'm very excited this week. We have lots of shows to talk about. Yes. We have uh, an interesting discussion at the end of the show. We're going to be talking about season one of Lock and Key, the long-awaited Lock and Key, which finally yeah. dropped over at Netflix. But I'm excited not because of any of that. I'm excited mm-hmm. because uh, you you know what dropped this week. Uh, our, the our- Justice Department. Not completely unrelated. Um, the, we had the reveal or the reveal of the season 12 queens for Drag Race like last week or the week before. This week, the show has uh, announced some of their guest judges for this mm-hmm. season. And uh, let's just say the guest judges, the list is stacked. It is a ridiculous yeah. list. And I mean, I have a bunch of them here. Let's say, why don't you start? Who are like three you're excited about? Okay, so I'm excited about uh, Daisy Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about Rachel Bloom. Mm-hmm. And I am excited about AOC. I am excited about all of these people. I am yeah. also excited about the rest of them but let's yes. throw some love to you Leslie only Jones. let me pick three so i know what am i, supposed to I know do? that's why this is challenging <laughs> listeners it is a long list uh but leslie jones mm-hmm. uh shaka khan She's and cool. very cool and oh man uh let's i guess i guess Nicki minaj but like whoopi goldberg is also like right there too yeah. for me I'm very excited. The guests, the the guest judges are going to be amazing, and the fact that like some of these uh, people have been like outspoken fans of the show for a while before yeah. coming on to guest judge only just whets the appetite even more. So I'm particularly excited uh, for AOC and and Rachel Bloom of of those. But like, yeah, it's it's going to be good. That I, it, it is really helping to to spur up the creative juices because. I mean, listeners may not know. Uh, I covered Drag Race for the AB Club, but what you you know that, but what you might not know is how much time it takes <laughs> to cover the show because it's it's a lot of viewing and then note taking and then writing. It's just like it it's more work than other shows are to write about. Yeah, and um, so that's gonna that certainly is gonna boost my enthusiasm as we head into season twelve. I'm 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 very here for it. Yeah, and remind me and listeners, when does season 12 start? February 28th. So it's coming oh, up so in just a couple soon. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So we will, uh, yeah, we will have more on that when the season starts. Uh, and I'm guessing, just looking at this list, I'm guessing our season one or our episode one guest judge is going to be Nicki Minaj, right? That okay. Se- that seems to try, they've done like a music star who's a big deal. Mm-hmm. for the first guest but i mean like all of these people are a big deal so yeah. it's kind of hard to guess who they're gonna have and that or maybe aoc i don't know because well i mean i figure if you're gonna have aoc as the guest judge you're gonna do some sort of political sketch yeah just because yeah so i don't feel like that's an episode one thing okay. i feel like that's that's a little deeper in but i mean whoopee they're definitely gonna do a view sketch right i would hope right? i would assume that she'll be there for one of the acting challenges or daisy Ridley, right? But, yeah, I mean, or Tandy Newton, right? And there's yeah. just there's a lot of people that they could have on. Maybe Rachel Bloom will be for like the the stand up or the the roast kind of thing. 
Oh, yeah, they should have Rachel, or they could do Rachel Bloom for Match Game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could be very good. That could be very good. We will see. Leslie Jones is just going to be real brutal with these people. (laughs) Just real brutal. (laughs) It's going to be fun. She's either going to be very excited and thus too afraid to talk about it, or she's just going to go. Like, that's those are the two options you get. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm very down for either. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping, I would love to see her pop up for some reason on like especially like Seth Meyers and to t- and talk about her experience oh, guesting. Yes. So, oh, they should have her come on and do that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. Anyways, we're very excited about Drag Race over here at the Televerse. There's also other TV we're excited about and we will talk about some of it this week. Um were you as as excited and looking forward to Lock and Key as much as as I was uh or was this more of like a hesitant let's see how they did kind of viewing experience for you. Um, this was mostly a, let's see how they did sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, as we sort of discussed is like, I'm not familiar with the source material at all. So like in any way, shape or form and the shows very long, like trudge through production decades, long production of being made, um, in some form or another, um, for whatever reason, I just didn't know anything about this show prior to watching this. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew nothing, like nothing, which is, I think, just, again, really impressive when you consider it's been 10 years in the making and the comic has been running since friggin' 08. Yeah, since February 08. Wow. So I knew nothing. So, yeah, well, this is, you know, listeners, it's a very newbie friendly segment because you know, yeah. we'll talk about it. We talk about it later in the show, but like, I also have know nothing about it. And <laughs> all I knew about the show was, uh, there's some kids and there's a house and there's magic keys and like stuff happens. And <laughs> so and I didn't even know there were kids. Oh, see, so, there we go. Yeah. I just knew there were keys mm-hmm. and things happen, but it's kind of in the title. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Anyways, that's coming at the end of the show. For now, though, we got a full week of TV. Uh, We've pared it down quite a bit, but we got some stuff to dig in with. So we're going to take a break, listen to some music, and be right back with our Week in Comedy. In comedy, we're going to kick things off with Full Frontal with Samantha B. February 12, 2020. They're into season five now. So second episode of season, season five. Then we have Miracle Workers, Dark Ages. We're going to check in on Road Trip. Then Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Pimimento, which we're talking about just so that I can say Pimimento. I think a contender for, for best episode titles. Like, it's certainly in the mix. It won't just be Legends this week. Yeah. This year, I should say. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then we'll round things out with Superstore Cereal Bar. So first up is Full Frontal with Samantha B. And I mean, we've, we've had plenty of content, plenty of uh, things happening. 
for them to talk about. Uh, I, I particularly enjoyed the, seriously, Yang, you drop out right after we give you $50,000. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? I really just wanted to highlight two things. One, the Prager Youth um, University thing, which is really something worth discussing um, more prolifically, I think, um, since... For those who didn't watch the episode or don't know right. what this is, what what is Prager University? So Prager U- University... I'm air putting quotes. air quotes air around quotes, the yeah. university. Um, is basically a content farm of conservative, like far right conservative nonsense um, that is intended to appeal to, I would say millennials, but it's definitely skewing younger than that with a lot of its material. So like Gen Z and whatever is after Gen Z. Uh, with like funny short animation clips, um, really YouTube and social media centered type of content of just a bunch of nonsense stuff of like women's roles is in the house, things about alternative lifestyles, alternative lifestyles. And it's just a bunch of nonsense and it's just really, really bad, but it passes itself off as like a legitimate sort of place where you can learn. And it's like, first of all, that's everywhere. Second of all, don't learn here. And so I was really glad to see them see them discuss it because it's something I've been aware of for a little while, but just never really thought about too much because it's a garbage fire. But I was glad to see them highlight it and draw some attention to it because it's it's gross and bad. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I always appreciate, I mean, I think people are aware of like Trump University but right. they haven't necessarily like found like researched and found out about these other institutions that are not dissimilar, um, that are scamming people out of money or you know, trying to uh, red pill them. Right, and that's what PragerU is doing. Is like you're not paying for any of this. the The university part of it, like, there's no degree or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just red pilling you. They're yeah. very much like. A high tech, fun, catchy version of everything that Leland does in Evil, less overt because then they could be accused of inciting violence. But yeah. it's it's bad. It's mm-hmm. bad um, and worth shining a spotlight on, certainly. Right. Yeah. So then there was that. Um, but yeah, I liked the Yang thing too. Um, because did you like play the um, no, no, I primary not. thing? I played it for a couple of weeks, um, mm-hmm. supporting my candidate of choice. Um, but when it became really clear that they weren't going to topple Yang, I just went, okay, I'm done. Yang's just going to get 50K. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I did laugh real hard when he dropped out. So I really appreciated um, Sam B being like, all right, well, we're giving you 50,000, but then you dropped out. Could you maybe give it to like Stacey Abrams' group? Please? Can you do you? something yeah. with this? If you're going to just suspend your campaign, which um, for like, folks outside the United States, when a candidate says that they're suspending their campaign, they're dropping out. Yeah. And and what that means is like, and if you've donated money that they haven't spent yet, they are going to spend that. They're going to spend that on things they haven't paid for yet, like outstanding debts. They're going to spend it on, on like back pay for their staff. They're, I mean, like, I would be surprised if that $50,000 was still there. I would assume yeah. that they need it. And if they yeah. are a establishment candidate, if they if like are an incumbent or somebody who's been around for a while, then any money that you donate that they don't spend for whatever reason goes into their like war chest for future 
like campaigns or future things that 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 candidate will do. It doesn't go right. to the candidate, but it goes to the candidate's like campaign um, right. fund. So so yeah, that 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 fifty grand is not going to Stacey Abrams. But I appreciated the shout out. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's important because again. Th- they were just like, we're just going to give this $50,000 to whoever wins our, like, trivia contest on our app. Mm-hmm. With probably probably the hope that Warren was going to win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's be real about this. Um, they were definitely hoping Warren was going to win. And then that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, and if all else fails, it at least calls attention, like you said, to um, Stacey Abrams' organization, um, which is... Fair, fair fight. fight. And there's yeah, also fair, fair count. She's yeah. got two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that doing that is at least a good high profile um, way of calling attention to that as well. And hopefully so. sending some, you know, viewer donations their direction, which would be yep. great. Hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> Knock on wood things. Uh, next up is Miracle of Workers, Dark Ages, Road Trip is this episode. Yeah. And I'm surprised three episodes in how branched out the cast still is i expected by now that they would have like intersected our castles people and our peasants but i did enjoy both of these subplots i gotta say yeah um i'm really 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 liking this show it's just really weird and delightful um but still feels like really it's a really good blend of hey silliness in the medieval times that's all about making fun of contemporary stuff. So I like that. And this episode's not like the best example of it, but I mean the whole idea that we're going to go to shitcon <laughs> and we're going to disrupt shit shoveling with the whole. See, and I thought they already had with the handle for the shovels. Right, yeah, they had, but that was like a that was that like was a, a low- local yeah. That yeah. was a local, like, disruption. That was, like, in the garage, haven't branched out yet type of deal. The whole changes everything. <laughs> if only they had really, like, pushed the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, no, I like this. This was silly. And I just, it's funny. And Kate, Kate, I know that this was last week, but... I never, ever want them to explain why Chauncey wears a wig. Like, I just don't want them to explain it ever. (laughs) Like, never explain why he's wearing a wig, Miracle Workers, Dark Ages. Just don't explain it, because just don't. Well, everybody did back in the day anyways. Right. Because wigs were easier to keep clean. (laughs) So that's why everybody, like, everybody, like, in the Sun King, right, Louis uh, Louis XIV, everybody in his, his court, any of those big, big courts they all had wigs because their actual hair was nasty yeah except daniel radcliffe has great hair as is yes demonstrated by the fact of any time he takes off (laughs) (laughs) good times it's good it's good it's fun Uh, any other thoughts on miracle workers or is it time for a pimimento over on well i I do want to like also like dedicate this episode to brant screamface brant michael (laughs) screamface yeah pour one out for him oh shit man no pool no pool. Yeah. No pool. <laughs> what did you think of Pimimento and uh, like finding Dory disease and everything? Uh, so I like this episode. Um, I appreciated the, I appreciated Trent from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend showing up. Yeah. Perfect casting. Just like the best possible casting, including how he just played them so hard at the end. I was just like, oh, that's a Trent power move right there. Also, apologies to this actor. You're always going to be Trent. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I like that. Um, everything, like the whole memory loss thing with Pimento is such a good Pimento plot that I admire their restraint that they had to have been sitting on this for a little while because it's just a pure good Pimento idea, concept of he doesn't remember anything. He's got the memento syndrome. And then just layering the, no, it's finding Dory um, on top of it. I think it's just really, really funny. But what was very deeply funny is the whole conversation about, I don't understand how you cannot have seen Christopher Nolan's first movie. Mm -hmm. And I turned to my partner, we were watching the episode, and I just went, yeah, but Memento wasn't Chris Nolan's first movie. It was actually this movie called Following. And she just looked at me and went, yeah, that's nice, Noel. And then they made the joke like 20 seconds after I discussed it. (laughs) And I was just like so pleased. It was so good. Yeah. I was just so deeply pleased with myself. I love that line. It's like, you look like an asshole. It's not yeah. even his first movie. Everybody knows that. It was fun. Yeah. Like, oh, such a great way to go with that. Yeah. I mean, Jason Manzoukas is delightful and I greatly enjoy him. As we've talked about before, how we really like him on I'm Sorry because he gets to be a more human character. He gets to actually he gets do- to be human. Yeah. He gets to do more and there's more nuance. Yeah. But he's also really good at this very heightened stuff and at, at Pimento and this, like you were saying, this was a good balance of the really out there stuff and then some smaller things as well. It really let yeah. him play both sides of that character and not tip over into just an obnoxious and grating kind of element to that character, which can easily happen and has in the past. So I thought that they judged that just right. And it was just super fun. Yeah. And I think balancing all of his stuff versus trying to not tell Boyle about the fact that Jake and Amy are trying to conceive, I think is a really good way to sort of like ground Mm -hmm. the episode, even if it doesn't get as much play as it maybe should. But as soon as Jake realizes that he can just tell Pimento and Pimento is going to forget, Mm -hmm. um, it just presents itself for a really good sort of con conflict slash and then an eventual resolution um was there anything else oh jim rash just (laughs) he's always great yep oh it's so good and he only gets two scenes and it's sad Mm -hmm. but they're two very very good (laughs) um one thing i do want to ask you about because we've had three episodes but all three of these episodes yes i know my cat's being so loud right now yeah she's got many Um, thoughts yeah is how do you feel about the fact that I feel like they're doing a lot more like low key police brutality this season of like mm. knocking folks with their arms as they're trying to escape. And it's just like, this seems a little excessive for this show. Cause they've done it three times now or in three episodes. And I'm just like, this seems like a bit much and I'm not sure how I feel about it. And it's also just kind of justifying critiques of the show yeah. of it's justifying. Critiques. Yeah. Longstanding critiques of, it's just making cops look good. But how are you feeling about that? Because it's been like really overt, I feel like, this season. Well, you know, and it just speaks to I haven't been paying enough attention as I watched, which is what can be insidious about a show like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, because I, I hadn't picked up on it, but I've been like, this has been a show I've been watching like on the treadmill or while I'm doing something else. And so I, it's easy for me to look down and yeah. miss the physical stuff that's happening. So I will keep an eye out on that and I will have some thoughts, uh, you know, as I watch more carefully moving forward this season. But I think that's yeah. an excellent thing to note and a very worthy point. And listeners, let us know if you're tracking that too, because I will be from now on. 
Yeah, because Boyle does it in this episode. Um, Terry did it in episode two, and I feel like there was definitely something in the there was definitely something in the first episode where they were chasing down the guy that they think um, is the bo- is the not the bomber, but the um, would be assassin. So it was it's just been a little noticeable this season for me. Okay, well, I remember those moments from the other two episodes. I just didn't clock this one, so I will yeah. certainly keep keep. Uh... It more in the front of my mind as I watch. Uh, over on Superstore, we had Cereal Bar. And uh, I'm curious what you thought of this one. I liked it. Um, and I kept waiting for them to hit some of the beats that I thought were coming with at the end of the episode with the second store's um, meeting that are right there, but they didn't talk about. So let's start with that. Because, Noel, both stores can't have had record highs and been the biggest sellers in the region. And yeah. I'm very surprised that Amy or Jonah, but specifically Amy, didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and I think that, like, I noticed that too. And I feel like there's definitely, like, a shoe that's going to drop about that mm-hmm. at some point. But I think they were just too focused on Sandra to notice. Which I think is fair, given the context. But it's also just super weird that they don't, like, it's not picked up in the episode. But I'm really hoping, and I really expect this show, given what it's been doing especially this season to pick up on that and oh to... yeah the writers don't write that dialogue if that's not where they're going they right, give her exactly. something else to say yeah yeah so i think that there's definitely something that's going to come up and the way that she just like very quickly dodges things and is like oh i'm getting the signal to wrap this up and it's like are you though <laughs> are you i don't think you are yeah but at least this wasn't a recording that she, she did because she responds to everyone else but it's it's real telling, and I'm really excited to see where this like continues. But at the same time, like the way that they're capturing this concept of, all right, we'll give you a cereal bar, but then someone has to maintain the cereal bar. Okay, we'll gi- we'll give you fifty percent off lifts to get to work to get you to buy more lifts. I would right. I would assume that that's a corporate synergy. Yeah, right. So something, and so I like these ways in which we're giving you perks that either create more work for someone Mm -hmm. or aren't really perks because your lift is going to be more expensive than your bus, probably depending on where you're coming from. Yeah. Even with the 50% off. Yeah. Even with the 50% off. So there's a lot of like things going on here that I really like how they're integrating tech startup culture and winnowing it into a retail store space. And I think that's really, really smart and really interesting. So Superstore is just so clever. And I really, really appreciate that. Um, But what did you think about Cereal Bar overall? Yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it it worked well. Uh, I was less enamored with the subplot with Dina. I thought it was fine, but it was a bit like expected. I kept waiting for something more interesting, but it was fun. And uh, I do enjoy <laughs> Mateo and the gossip. Uh, and then the 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 attempts to, uh, by Garrett to, to, to con his way into just a paid day off. Um, and like this, <laughs> why did I have a kid so late in life? Uh, I think like, I voted wrong. I think I voted, which, that was so, that made me so happy because we all know he voted for Trump. Everyone knows he voted for Trump. And that was, I was like, that hit me in the feels in a way that it shouldn't have. And I should be better than that. But I did care about seeing a fictional religious person care strongly that they had voted based on, like, based on 
the abortion issue and had now regretted it. Even in my TV, it makes me feel good to hear someone express that view. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, that's that's where I'm at emotionally with all the po- political stuff going on that right now. It was a fun episode. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was solid. Yeah, yeah. And I like you mentioning like the Glenn stuff with Garrett because that whole idea of you're not talking to your, you're not talking to your boss. You're talking to your friend is a, also a very sort of we're gonna dodge this sort of mm-hmm. thing of like giving you this paid time off. But Glenn doesn't know that. Glenn's legitimately trying to help him. Mm-hmm. And but I like how that gets baked into this whole thing about tech culture in this episode of like we're going to in we're going to make this a policy, but we're going to make it very difficult for you to actually get this. But Glenn's just Glenn would just sign off on it if he just didn't care so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're just the way that that seeps down through from yeah. the the higher ups through into the the people who are even the low level managers. So yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it was a good episode. So uh, that wraps up our week in comedy. And we'll take a break now, listen to some more music, and come back with our week in drama and genre. We'll be right back after this. This week in drama and genre, Noel's going to catch us up with Briar Patch. This week's episode of Snap, Crackle, Pop. Then we'll have some thoughts on Doctor Who, Can You Hear Me? Followed by a, just a, a few thoughts from me on Picard, Absolute Candor. And then we'll go over to the CW for Black Lightning, The Book of Markovia, Chapter 4, Grab the Strap. And round things out, of course, with Legends of Tomorrow, Slay Anything. So fun. Okay, so first up is Briar Patch. And uh, I, I did not get a chance to watch this week's episode. But what did you think about the premiere and episode two? So I do agree with you that the central mystery is kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kate, this show is just so my jam. It's just <laughs> so my jam. Yay. Like, I hate how much of it is my jam, considering how much I just really came to hate Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole neo-noir nonsense type stuff is just real good and i really like the show i like the this i like this world a lot i like the degrees of layering of intrigues of the senate investigation pushed upon to get a deposition and then like whatever is happening really happening with this background stuff and then all the stuff with the cops and the various like intrigues of that as well and it's all convoluted and silly and ridiculous and it's all just pure noir in a little bottle and i like it very much <laughs> so i'm really enjoying briar patch i think rosario dawson's really really good especially in the second episode 
um, when she's um, allowed to more fully sort of imbue that kind of noir hero vibe a lot more. Uh, being able to tough talk, talk tough, but also like be mortal, basically, which is one of my favorite things about noir is that the protagonist is always is always mortal. Like they never really are very good people, but they're always mortal. They get hurt, they get tired, that kind of a thing, and that keeps that cycles through really heavily in the second episode. So I really like that, and the rest of it I think is just really good because you don't trust really anyone and i really appreciate that and yeah there's just good stuff and kim dickens is in the second episode as the sort of like new police chief um so i'm really very excited about that as well um because she's just having the best time kate she's very very happy for the opportunity to throw chicken wings at an old man And she, I just have to think that, yeah, no, you're not in Fear the Walking Dead anymore, but you got to throw chicken wings at an old man. I, I yeah. feel like that's an, that's an okay trade-off. That's a win. Though Fear, yeah. Fear the Walking Dead, those shows are just like steady paychecks for mm-hmm. the most part. But yeah, I understand. I understand. So I really liked it. I'm worried about like it being 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm concerned about that from like a narrative standpoint of like, I don't know that this is... I, I think this is too much, um, but I think that we'll, I'll, I'll see, but I'm, I'm very excited. One thing I will say is that I do think that they should have aired both of these episodes together. Mm, yeah. Um, because the second episode definitely feels like much more of a conclusion to the first hour than the first hour does. So it probably would have been wiser to show both episodes at the same time, but this is also probably why like the second episode was made available on demand like last week along with the first episode. Uh, But they should have just aired them back to back because it ends in a much more appropriate space, I think overall than the first episode does. That leads me to believe that it was sort of intended to be watched as a pair, which is more or less how I watched it. Cause I did episodes one and two almost back to back. Okay. So yeah, that, that's encouraging. Yeah. Cause if I'm, I'm glad that there's a sense of like, and now we start our season and yeah. just wait for what comes next at the end of the second episode. Yeah. I felt like that was kind of lacking at the end of the first. Right. And the first of the episode is like standard sort of like cliffhanger premiere stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas the end of the second episode ends with like a big, you can't trust anyone montage that you typically see in these kinds of shows. And that's how you like end for me, this kind of a story to like hook people in and not like a big car explosion. Yeah. Yeah. I think doing the suspicious person montage is how you get people to like circle back. And I think that works better. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, Next up is Doctor Who. Can you hear me? And this was one that, I mean, I I really liked it again. And Uh I think parts of it didn't quite click as well as I would have liked. It reminded me very much of Vincent and the Doctor. Um, where sure, 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 sure. The parts of Vincent and the Doctor that just absolutely sing and are gorgeous are then plastered in next to a really awkward like bad cgi of the monster that goes too goofy like and if you just went a slightly darker or slightly different with that and had a better budget that episode would just be like this perfect thing for me um just slightly goof slightly less goofy for that doctor who episode and then everything can kind of feed on it and you don't have to have 
that suspension of disbelief in quite the same way, um, which I appreciate. It's a doctor. I mean, again, listeners, as you well know, I love Doctor Who. I'm all for a moving wall curtain that's clearly not actually the TARDIS. Like, I don't need high production values. But every now and again, there are these episodes that are doing some really interesting things narratively, thematically, or um, certainly this season around a message. And I feel like aspects of the camp can take away rather than contribute to that. And for me, the campiness of our gods and non- nightmare monsters took away from some of what this episode was. And I thought the parts that absolutely were brilliant and amazing were the depictions of struggles around mental health and suicidal ideation and the just the, the, the struggling of these different people that we saw all kind of brought together. Um, it's definitely stuck with me. I was thinking about this for days later. I was really impacted by it. So I thought it was on the whole, a really great, really great episode, but yeah, certain parts not as effective for me as I would have liked. What, what did you think? No, I'm in full agreement with you in that. I think that the parts that work well, particularly when they focus on are humans. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a really good through line of various sorts of mental health problems, whether it's, like you said, suicidal ideation, or whether it's just fear and how that can kind of eat away at you. And all those sorts of elements, um, I think just, it, like you said, the episode just really sings when it handles those ideas. And I think that the concept of a monster that feeds on nightmares and those kinds of anxieties i think is a is a very easy but still effective way of exploring those concepts especially when his whole thing is just his fingers come off his hand yeah and go into your ear and it's yeah. just weird and it's gross weird and, and gross and just like it's the right kind of weird and gross you know right it it's really perfect. worked for me yeah it's really perfect and then it just zigs into this yeah, no, I'm going to release another god that really likes to feed on nightmares. And it's like, wait, but why? Like, the, it doesn't feel like an escalation because A, it comes too late in the episode. But B, it doesn't feel like it matters because you still have a guy who's doing the same thing. She's just doing it on a bigger scale. It's very unclear about why this matters. And the specificity of, of yeah. him watching people sleep is way creepier than her standing in the street and just drawing energy from people. Right. Drawing like lost smoke monsters into yourself isn't the same either. Isn't the same visceral fear of someone sneaking into your house and watching you sleep that I know a lot of people have. Certainly, I'm just going to feel safe saying most women, but lots of people (laughs) have. No, I I definitely have it. Um, Especially like living in a house. Like I didn't have it in an apartment. I have it living in a house. Um, anyway, but I think that's the problem is like the monster of the week detracts really heavily from what is otherwise a really solid sort of through line premise and almost just, it just detracts too much from it that it weakens, it hobbles the episode a little bit when it shouldn't. But at the same time, I really like the stuff with Ryan and his friend and how I get, we're getting a little bit of a yeah, no, you jaunting off does have impact type of thing, which is always something that Doctor Who is like played fast and loose with generally because of the whole, we can just bring you right back to when we, before we left type of thing. But dealing with it much more directly, I think works really, really well here. 
Uh, so that stuff, the stuff with Yaz, I think is really good. But I also just really like the stuff with um, Graham as well. So it was just really, really, really good up until the monster got in the way. And who Doctor Who got in the way of doing a good Doctor Who episode, basically, is kind of how I feel about this. Yeah. And the, like, I was perfectly fine with uh, the first monster. I think if they had just found a different way to escalate, rather, it felt more like a distraction than an escalation. Yes. Um, and, yeah. I, I did enjoy, of course, listeners will not be surprised, I enjoyed all of the classic Who shoutouts. The Eternals and all, like, all, like, I'm, you you, you don't have that a connection nope. to the show that I that I do, but I'm sure you could tell they're like there's like uh, the toy maker would be proud. Everybody, you were like, yeah, that's got to be a thing. Don't care, I'm, but that's got to be a thing. I was like, wait, wait, is when shot in this universe too? <laughs> wait, no, that's toy man, not toy it's maker. Toy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a first doctor shout out. And so like they went deep. Um, and so I, I appreciated all of because the, there's only there there have been actually. Uh, a bunch of like eternal kind of like long like for living forever kind of figures that have popped up over the course of the run not many given the number of episodes and the like over 50 years that the show has been on the air but uh oh man they're gonna be coming up to 60 before too long um but take that uh, supernatural <laughs> but compared to other shows you know like when every one of the themes is you know the of mortality and death and that's very present on the show so they actually have collected quite a few of those so i appreciated the shout outs there and yeah they, there's still quite a bit of impact of having someone go into the tardis the tardis like Things can't do that uh, unless they're invited in. Uh, and even that is unusual. They talked about that earlier this season. So having uh, the baddie, whose name I forget, just like be in the TARDIS watching the doctor was very impactful and, and really effective. The um, everything with Yaz, I thought was beautiful and really potent. The stuff with Graham, even the ending. I saw some people didn't like the, that ending conversation with the doctor, but I thought that was terrific. I thought that was really. Those people are wrong. Yeah. Well, cause and it's like about how like, oh, the doctor should be more sensitive or like, or like they th- it felt like it was supposed to be a joke, but it's, it's not a joke. And I also very much trust this doctor that she will think of the right thing to say later and bring yes. it back up to him and follow up on that because that's the kind of person that she is. Um, and that just because she doesn't know what to say does not mean she does not. And is socially awkward does not mean she does not feel strongly and connect strongly with Graham. She just, there's no way to help that. There is nothing right. that you could say. And this doctor responds in this way. Whereas the 11th doctor would have a speech or that, you know, certainly the 10th doctor would, you know, different doctors yeah. would respond different ways. This doctor just, I got nothing for you, but I'll think of something later and then we'll pretend I thought of it in time now. Right. And I think that the other thing that gets missed in this, I don't like this conversation. It doesn't work. It makes her look awkward. And my response to that is A, you're wrong. B, you're wrong for the reasons you just enumerated. But C, you're wrong because the speech is as much about Graham bottling up his fears as it is about the doctor refusing to communicate. And that's also like the key thing that's running through this episode is the doctor is being consumed by her fears, by her failure to communicate and by opening up, talking and expressing what she's feeling and what she knows or thinks she knows will help her, will help 
her team and make a difference. So this idea that she's just sitting on these feelings of responsibility, of guilt, of dread, of just hoarding that stuff is really bad for her and the people that she cares about. And that's a runner through this episode of talking to people makes things better or can lead to things becoming better. Doctor, you need to talk to people is really like the big thrust of this episode. And so that's the reason why if you don't like that speech, you're wrong because it's as much a, (laughs) it's as much a, she's awkward as a much of easily read it as being awkward, but also easily to, and this is how I read it of, wanting to dodge that conversation entirely because she can recognize those feelings in Graham in herself. And I think that's really important to acknowledge when you're discussing that scene, because that for me is the subtext of that scene. And it's barely subtext. I love having Graham on the TARDIS. I always appreciate the older companions (laughs) when they come up. Um, There's this great, like, crotchety white haired old lady uh companion who was only for what like one so not technically a companion but in the stones of blood which is like a classic one who i just love i was like oh she should have been a she's like 80 90 don't care give her a walker so, you know like she's just probably 80 or whatever I, I think the character was but um i always appreciate the the older companions as part of why donna is one of like right up there at the very top of my list, if not my yeah. favorite companion of all time. Not that she's older. She's like what? Thirties. I think yeah. is what she's supposed to be. But, um, the, but Graham, I mean, Wilf is another clear example of that, but Graham could say that to the doctor in a way that neither of the other companions or any of the recent companions could say. And, and be that honest, be that open and vulnerable and not and accept her answer yes for exactly now, you know yeah. and have that maturity um to feel how significant it, it is and and also just like yes that's that's a conversation that this the this, this show's having all season but he understands and appreciates the value in him just having said that and not need not have being needing the validation of an of the response he's looking for he's hoping for from the the doctor in order to um give weight and value to the step he took by expressing how he was feeling so yeah no he's my favorite i mean i like all of them but he's definitely my favorite too like it's it's been fun going back and what not going back and watching but coming back to this show and being like oh man i missed like good companions because i mean i left more or less after amy and rory left yeah um and i really liked amy and rory both um and i like donna a lot but it's just like one of those things of like oh it's just such a different dynamic that i just really really respond to and makes me really happy in terms of what they what it opens up for them narratively to be able to do and on a character level as well um that graham just gives them more options than two young people yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and that is not any shade to Clara or to Bill, especially Bill was lovely. And certainly not the actors. Jenna Coleman is not to blame for the issues with Clara. She is very good. The writing is the issue there, in my opinion. But that is for <laughs> the battle of the Claras. Uh, Podlander, uh, what was it? Debating, drunk debating Doctor Who. Um, 
is what it's over at being Doctor Who. There's a uh, running thing about Clara with Alison Schumacher, friends of the show, Alison Schumacher, Kellen Sita, uh, and myself, as well as Alistair Wilkins. And they threatened um, a while back that we should have a just a battle royale around Clara with Caroline, Allison, and myself. And uh, that would be, and I, I of course suggested we need to have some drinks while we do it. And that would yeah. be super fun. So listeners, we'll keep you posted if that happens. But for now, it was a really impactful and interesting Doctor Who. I like, we only have a few episodes left. Next up, right. romp do. with Mary Shelley. I'm very here for this. Uh, and then the Cyberman kind of two-parter. Well, I'm assuming it's a two-parter. Cyberman, yeah. second to last episode, and then Timeless it is a Children. Yeah, for the last episode. So, yeah, there's we're going to get answers coming up soon here. So we will see. But, yeah, they're, they're having a really strong season. Over on Star Trek Picard, we had Absolute Candor. And the basically, we got the gang together at this mm-hmm. point, I feel like. And I thought that, first of all, the reveal at the end of the episode they absolutely nailed it. Very glad Ooh, to see that exciting. actor back. I'm going to stay vague for you. <laughs> um, these these Romulan nuns who only take who are like the most elite fighters in the universe who only take up lost causes uh, is an interesting addition to the world. I saw some discussions online that I hadn't thought of that I think is actually an excellent point that this like a big part of Star Trek was that it was post gender. And so to mm-hmm. have a, have this new thing about these nuns who you like you have to be a woman to you know to identify as a woman or be a woman to be in the order feels like quite a step backwards for sure. the the world you know that Roddenberry envisioned and how meaningful that was to have people not defined by their gender in that way um and I think there's I think that's a good point that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. So I'm curious what other people think about that. But I think the getting us basically getting us our Legolas by the end of the episode, um, it it is very like, will you will you like bind your your sword to my quest? Kind of like it's very fantasy. It's very high fantasy, but it's it's good fun, and the, I like the way it ends. Next week we're gonna get our. They're, they found a way to give us basically a hollow suite episode where everybody's got to dress up in old timey dress and stuff like to go down to a planet for a, some stupid reason. doesn't really matter, uh-huh. but it's a Star yeah. Trek tradition. So I look forward to seeing the Picard twist on that. Um, yeah. And I'm really digging. I don't know what's going on with this captain that we have on the ship. R- Rios? Yeah. I I'm, like him too. Like I've only seen like. I listeners, I haven't watched this week's episode, but I like him and his his hard hologram crew a lot. Yeah, like why is all of his crew that? I don't know, but it's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I I think like the hints of his backstory and everything speak to why it's an all hologram crew wh- and um, why it's all hologram him though is what I mean. Right. It's also really interesting, and I'm really also compelled by the fact that. His doctor's a little mouthy. His engineer's Scottish. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, hmm. guys, I see you. See I you. see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also uh, they used some of the scoring that's been on. Uh, they, they quoted the one of the Pike theme from Discovery oh, okay. last week, apparently. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that's very interesting indeed. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. So we will see. Uh, any other thoughts on your Picard viewing or shall we move on to Black Lightning? 
No, let's talk a little bit about Black Lightning and uh, the Siege of Morcovia slash Black Lightning does their version of the Justice League slash Wayne Brady. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was so fun. Uh, Listeners, we do have in our notes. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? Um, Which is just what I was thinking watching this. It was was such a fun. Like when he popped up, I was like, Wayne Brady. Okay. Yeah, this is great. Sure. This is super fun. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I thought it was very uh, effective. It really worked. I thought the the ending, I mean, like, there was supposed to be, I think, a thread of Jefferson and Lynn's relationship and uncertainty around that that went through the episode that I have never felt. I have never felt any uncertainty in that relationship yeah. at all. So the the end of that of this episode didn't have the payoff for me that I think they intended. It wasn't cathartic in any sort of meaningful way. Um yes. but other than that, I thought it was a super fun episode. And I think they again, it's balanced, right? I think they balanced the different storylines really well. There was enough action, there was enough intrigue, there was uh there was there was enough like Lynn not being a damsel in distress and I on the scale of how they could handle the Lynn is uh is now addicted to crack kind of thing that they've been doing They're, ha- I think they're handling that a little better than I maybe would have anticipated. And certainly I'm intrigued for what comes next. Uh, what, what did you think of their, their, you know, their operation and how they got painkiller back on board, all that stuff. what did you think of this episode? So I really enjoyed this episode. The Wayne Brady stuff I think is really good um, in part because I like the fact that they were just like, all right, we're going to cast Wayne Brady against type. And then we're also going to give him the big fight scene wherein we wharf painkiller. And I'm just like, yeah, no, all of this is the correct choice. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, may I just give a tip of the imaginary hat to the use of wharf as a verb? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that is just delightful. (laughs) Listeners, for those who don't know this, um, whenever Star Trek The Next Generation needed to establish that whatever, like, antagonistic force on the Enterprise that week was strong or dangerous, they would just throw Worf against a wall because Worf's the strongest of them, even though that's not true because it's data. But... (laughs) The point remains... That's how you knew things got serious. (laughs) Right. That's how things were made to be serious, is that they beat up Worf. That's how you just knew things were going to be a little bad. Mm-hmm. And so now every time another show does that to whomever is supposed to be the biggest of the big, the biggins, um, that isn't the pr- primary ant- protagonist, they get warfed. Um, <laughs> that's what it's no, that's what it's called. Um, so that's, that's the whole deal. So I, I just, I really enjoyed that. And having Wayne Brady execute that, I thought was really, really good. Um, I'm totally with you in that they are handling um, Lynn being addicted to green light in a better way than I anticipated. I still don't know that it feels totally earned because of like the ret- the retconning of showing it off to us in hindsight type of deal. But I think it's generally still really working, and I like how it provides a solution to the painkiller um, push command. Yeah, not uh, painkiller. Uh, I forget his not name. Not Grave, uh, Digger. Grave Digger. Grave yes. Digger's push command. Um, so I liked that. And um, while we're sort of in here, because we haven't discussed Black Lightning for a couple of weeks. Jace, Dr. Jace, man, I just, <laughs> I, this woman is just awful. And her whole thing about, no, my research has shown that having a pleasant greeting helps 
how could people <laughs> like me? And it's just like, I love all of this just so much. Just so much. Yeah. It's very good. That's, uh, I so, mean, Lynn. Lynn, yes, With the exactly. eyes just too wide. Oh, yeah. it's an excellent performance. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And I, I, I've, I've liked that actress since she first showed up in like end of season one, sometime in season two. So I'm glad that they keep getting her back because um, I have to assume see, she's in demand in Atlanta somewhere. Um, but she's very good here. Um, so yeah, I just liked everyone coming together and like working together and staging the operation. I was just like, why are you both trying to blast this big door when this girl's powers will blow away that door just immediately? Just just punch her a whole lot. <laughs> That's her whole deal. I also loved the like, oh, no, I took care of that a while ago kind of yeah. thing. Re- resolution to the chip. That was great. Yeah. And hopefully we'll like that'll come back later um, in some way. I assume it will. But that was just such a great anticlimax. Yes, it was. Um, what else? Oh, one thing that I am not someone that normally gets onto this particular high horse about things. This is not the thing that I normally get annoyed about. However, I feel like the rest of the Arrowverse team would be kind of concerned about a whole city <laughs> being in a big dome. <laughs> Yeah. While the U.S. government is lying about why they're in a big dome. Yeah. I feel like that would be a thing that at the very least, Jefferson's new best friend, Barry Allen, would care about. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And maybe like when you're running back from Lee on you, you could like stop by and be like, this is weird and face through the barrier. Like. Yeah, I, I, and I understand the reasons why, because the same reason doesn't happen in, like, comic books. But this just feels like a thing that people should <laughs> care about, that CatCo should be writing articles about. Well, not current CatCo, but it's things that definitely Cara Danvers should be like, maybe we should write about this, huh, boss? Mm-hmm. But not. And just, like, this feels a little sad that this isn't being more fully integrated, even though we did all this work to make it integrated. It feels weird, guys. It feels weird. So it kind of bugs me in a way that this thing normally does not bug me. But it kind of bugs me here. Okay. (laughs) Am I being weird about this? Well, it doesn't bug me, but that's because I really do think of it as completely different and completely separate. The show from everything else. But it's not Uh, separate anymore. (laughs) It's not. It's not. They are on the other side of the country from everyone else. but (laughs) But the point remains... Yeah, the point remains, it doesn't bother me just because in my brain, I, it's like, it's, it's its own thing. But uh-huh. that's because I am doing the legwork that they have specifically asked us not to do by doing all crisis. So like, yeah. you are, I, I completely see where you're coming from. You are absolutely right. I've chosen, like, it doesn't bother me, but like, it kind of should. <laughs> so yeah. I hear where you're coming from. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that validation. That's kind of all I needed. I'm fine now. Thank you. Let's move on to our last episode for the Week in TV, and that is Legends of Tomorrow. And this this episode we get uh, Slay Anything, which is their slasher tribute and, like, as well as, like, 80s and also setting up some of the other things that are coming. 90s and 80s. 89 and... No, no, 80s and early aughts. Or 80s and aughts. Thank you. Yes. 2003, right? 2004, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because it's the 15-year reunion. 
So in, for 89 graduation. So yeah, it was super fun. I was enjoying that. I enjoyed Sarah's disdain at going back to the early aughts, which I don't even remember what that would mean fashion wise. <laughs> I was too busy practicing, but like, uh, who am I kidding? I was not practicing. I was staying up till 3 a.m. playing board games and watching sci-fi with my friends, but, uh, and D and D, uh, and then practicing like a few years later when I went, Oh no, you need to practice. Um, but the point being, I don't have those as many of the cultural touchstones from that era the, uh, that I think they were trying to tap into, but I still just enjoy the energy and the, the, the fun of this episode. I certainly like Ava geeking out <laughs> over being a final girl is just delightful. I've really enjoyed what they've been doing with Ava this season and uh, everything like, again, they continue to balance their cast and use their cast well. They have too many people. It's a problem that they need to figure out a resolution to, which they're going to by having two of their cast members leave, which we don't want them to. But um, we would pick a different two cast members, I think. But the, the the issue is still there. And while they're trying to juggle all these people, the division that they have currently, I think, is about as good as you could ask for. So I like the reveal of Charlie um, <laughs> taking advantage of Constantine's house and uh, as well as just the the different ways that things are split up this episode. It was fun. Yeah, and I think there's just a lot of good stuff in this episode. Just, all right, folks, we're not going to be obvious about this. The killer's name is Freddie Myers. And it's just like, yes, just <laughs> pour it into my mouth and just like, yes, just give it all to me. Um, and then we're just going to swerve and make it Psycho and his, yes. Well, but also in the first, isn't it Mike Myers' mom in the first one? Yes, it is. I have never seen these movies, yeah. so yeah, there, no, it's yeah. like both. It's both. It's both Friday the Thirteenth and Psycho, and it's just like yeah, show yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, good for you and also us. No, I think that there's just a lot of good stuff. I do. I do sort of question the ways in which we're just like really kind of legending up um, Ava. So she's like super, super quirky of I have a serial killer podcast. And it's just like, since when? <laughs> but also there are so many of those. And I really can believe her having right. one. It's the like, thing is like, yes, yeah. no, I kind of believe you have Stabcast. Please use the promo code laceration. And just. <laughs> All of that stuff, I think, is just very good. Um, but it does feel like a tad forced a little bit. But at the same time, like this idea that she just doesn't know what to do with herself, not ha- being responsible for an entire government agency. So she, so started, she started a podcast. podcast on top of the myriad of other projects that she has, including one that we see in a couple of weeks. Um, that there's just really they're just doing really well by this character, I think. And I think that their their decision to put a lot of focus on her, I think, is smart overall. Even if a little bit of it is happening too fast for me. Just the show's so good and silly that I don't care. <laughs> but at the same time, much like in the same way that, like, um, Can You Hear Me This Week's Doctor Who sort of has that good sort of underlying type of concept of we're going to, like, deal with a thing. Like, I like the way in which they mirror... Freddie and uh, Nora in this way of like showing how this concept of rehabilitation for an encore or what they think is the encore works. And I like that as a like, all right, we haven't used Nora in a little while. So let's use her really effectively to a kind of remind us about Nora's whole deal and then really sort of demonstrate how she's grown and the reasons why she's grown. 
So I really like that they've managed to put a serial a slasher serial killer movie into a teen coming of age movie, hence the title Slay Anything. Um, and then on top of this reintroduction of Nora, basically. And I just, this show's both very silly and very smart, and I really enjoy it. And after last week, I wasn't super sure about this, like, version of Zari, but I kind of like her. Like, she's she's delightful. And the fact that she's, like, kind of, like, is it this episode that she has the flashes? Yeah. She has a, yeah, she has a memory flash. Like, that... They're headed yeah, in the right direction. I think they're heading that, in the yeah. right direction with it. And so I'm really just enjoying what they're doing this season. And I'm just, I'm so eager for everyone to catch up to me where I am so I can talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, just, it's a hard knock life over there in Screenerland. That's it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult, difficult, lemon, difficult. Um, yeah, it was a really fun episode. I'm super on board. And I'm excited to catch up to where you are, too, because, like, I'm liking what we're getting here, and I'm sure there are only more exciting things to come. So, fingers crossed. I'm sure it'll be a exciting next week and two weeks now that you're yeah. ahead. Um, what wins your week in TV? Um, let's see. This is a tough week. This was a kind of a, this was kind of a rich week. Um... I think I'm going to give it to Slay Anything. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Slay Anything uh, since I still have, like, slight trepidations about Briar Patch. But yeah, Legends Tomorrow wins my week in TV. Uh, what about you? I'm going to give it, I think, to Doctor Who just because I've, it's the one that's stuck with me the most. But sure. shout out to Nine Nine and Nine. Black Lightning. Yeah. So, I mean, and obviously Legends, but you already give some love to Legends. So, uh, that wraps up our weekend to be. Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back with our season spotlight on season one of Netflix's Lock and Key. We'll be right back after this. Hey, check it out. We're here. Welcome to Key House. I could never get your father to talk about his life here. My kids need a home.
That was a trailer for season one of Netflix's Lock and Key, which, uh, as listeners will know, has been in production or in development for like t- over 10 years, a long time. Yes. Um, it was originally going to be at Hulu and be much more like horror based. And then it got, uh, they passed on it and it ended up here at Netflix, more fantasy based, more like warm fuzzies, family fun, and quite a, apparently quite a different tone than the comic i have not read the comic noel have you read the comic i have not okay so we do not have any basis in that i know that there are characters who are like dead in the comic who are alive in the show at least at the end of the season and there's some pretty significant changes um some things are very similar some things are very different but this is purely going to be a discussion of the tv show so let's just start out with the very straightforward did you like it should people watch season one of lock and key what do you think it's fine. Like, it's kind of capital F fine. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you should watch it. Um, even though it is capital F fine. I don't think that you should watch it. I think my biggest issue is, is that it feels the most algorithmic based of a lot of, well, a lot of Netflix shows for me. In that it's Hill House, but scaled back. It's Lemony Snicket in a series of unfortunate events, but scaled back. It's Stranger Things, but scaled back. Um, It's a number of other Netflix shows, but just not nearly as good as any of those other Netflix shows are at doing those things that those Netflix shows are good at, I think. And I think that the only reason Lock and Key hangs together as well as it does on largely a technical level because i think that the show is really well directed and i think the um set design um is just really really good and they made some really good sort of mise-en-scene choices of costuming the compliments the overall set design i think is really really good and i think that the only reason like the show hangs together as well as it does is that it's got carlton cues and meredith of Averill at its helm so these are two like cues is like a 30 something year of veteran of the television industry at this point and um averill's been working in television for about as long as this show has been in production <laughs> um but she's also worked on whatchamacallit she's worked on jane she's worked on the good wife she was one of the co-showrunners on haunting of hill house um so between the two of them they know how to run a tv show and i think that shows in the fact that lock and key works as well as it does when it kind of feels like a big mess of ideas and concepts and themes and character stuff um because it just kind of doesn't make sense on a number of scale on like a tonal level a lot of the time for me but i never actively disliked it because it's too well made Mm -hmm. for me to dislike it which is why it's just like it's fine but (laughs) it's also just lacking in a severe amount of ambition and i think that a lot of it just boils down to the fact that 
per your point about where this show was going to be on Hulu and probably was going to be like even back when it was on Fox, when it was originally developed for Fox, um, that the decision to scale back the horror elements in favor of this sort of light fantasy horror type of deal that is rated, by the way, TV 14 across all the episodes speaks to sort of like, who is this for? And that's sort of the ultimate question I have of who's this show for? And I don't know that the show knows that either. So I've been talking for a little bit. What did you think about just big picture macro level stuff uh, before we dive into just how wrong this show does by Darby um, Stan, Stan Sheffield, uh, because oof. anyway. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think it is fine. Yeah. And it is both not as good as I expected and wanted and also way better than I expected and wanted. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a weird balance because um, I agree. Like what you, like, like you said, it is, a well-made show it is i like i was binging it to get caught up in time and it, I, I could easily this is a show i could easily see myself putting on like one or two episodes of and like kind of catch be like oh yeah let's watch a couple more of those and and enjoying myself all the way through and certainly good background um and there are these elements that are really exciting and fun like the like you said the set design and the just the 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 way that the world is put together that are really interesting and fun um, and certainly piqued my interest. And I think there are concepts that are really great and some things that it's threatening to play around with that are really great. But then I don't like or care about like any of the characters. I want to like and care about the adults a lot more. And because of the mechanics of the plot, they are so sidelined. Why is Sean Ashmore in this? I kept waiting. Like, why do you? It's Aaron, actually. Sorry. It's why Aaron. is Aaron Ashmore in yeah. this? Like, why do you cast someone that at least nerds are going to know? Like, that's a name for nerds. And then not use him. And I kept waiting for a, sh- a shoot a drop with that. And then it never does in the entire first season. It's so weird. And the, the, I mean, it's not the actor's fault at all because they're a kid. The little kid is super annoying and not very good. And he's the only one that survived the transition from Hulu, too. Yeah. And I don't like it. They're, they, the little kid's a problem. And some of it's what they're asking him to do. Some of it is, you know, with with child actors, there's always like a question mark and how like you never know. Sometimes some people get really lucky with casting or, or really have really amazing psychic <laughs> casting directors who are able to see in the future um, and know how it's all going to turn out. But some of the stuff that like when they're like, just like have him guess the correct answer to things like that, you can find out by Wikipedia them. It's like, Oh, I, maybe adults just can't remember the keys because of stuff and things. And they're like, yes, that's the answer. And they didn't have a more logical or straightforward way for the characters to figure that out. So let's just have the little kid guess it and just be right. Cause like, it's hard for any actor, let alone any child actor, to to pull that off. And so that's a part of the problem, too. But then there are these different sets of friends, some of which feel organic and some of which really don't. The Some of the casting is great. Some of it is solid. Some of it is forgettable. Um, but there's just so much and not enough going on all at once that it's it doesn't 
really work for me. By the end of the season, I was more engaged. I really liked Ellie. I really liked a few of the different corners of the show. But you could feel where they're like, well, we're doing Lock and Key, so we need to have three kids. Because there are three kids in the comics, so we need to have three kids in this. And I'm like, why? Just, there's too, there's too many of them. Um, and there's not, there's, they all have too many friends and not enough friends. And it's like, I don't know. I just, it was very jumbled for me. And I, the stuff that landed and worked was really cool and really fun, but there wasn't enough of that, I thought. So yeah. It, and what does it want to be? And who is it for? I think like you identified are the biggest question marks at the end of the first season. And that's something that you should be going into your pilot having an answer for. And I don't know that they did. Yeah. So let's like dive into the characters then. Yeah. Um, and let's like focus on the Locke family and we can include Rendell and Duncan in this as well. Um, since we get a fair amount of Rendell through flashbacks and yes, Aaron Ashmore's casting in this. And we should specify that this is Aaron Ashmore from Killjoys, mm-hmm. not Sean from the X-Men movies. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, either way, Geeks know him. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're identical twins. Yeah. But, yeah, no, because we, my partner and I had that discussion in the first episode of, wait, which one is this? Yeah. Is this, which one? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, we've got Nina, we've got Tyler, we've got Kinsey, we've got Bodie, and then the brothers, Rendell and Duncan. And it's just a lot. And the show, especially in the case of Nina, played by um, Darby Stanchfield, who's very good, but just is wasted and aimless and has nothing to do like both on like a on like a script level but also like on an acting level nothing and i feel like that's the thing that works in a comic in a way that it does not in a tv show right because they're having to write her out of the house and away from the kids so constantly yeah because she'll just forget all the magic. And it's annoying when you watch it happen multiple times. So, so listeners, right. if you haven't watched the show yet, uh, it, when adult, adults interact with the magic keys that the kids are interacting with, they forget, like, the the minute after, the instant after the situation has, like, resolved. Or as soon as they look away or that kind of a thing. Like, their memory is wiped. So, and th- that's why the adults can't help. That's why the adults can't be part of the main action. And so because the show wants to really get that sense of family, which it does very well, I think the stuff with the dad and, and the the whole family grieving after his death, the, the father of the family, his death is the instigating incident that starts the whole story. Um, that stuff really rings true. But then the trouble is they know what they have in Darby Stanchfield and they're like, well, we got a user, but we can't use her because of the plot. So, huh? Right. And there's just, it's really frustrating because she gets one episode where she's allowed to play something different and she's great in it. Um, And I want to explain the reasons in which that occurs for sake of spoilers, but she's really, really great in that episode. And you can just tell that she's just, you can legitimately feel that she's just very happy to be playing a different gear than what she's had to play for the past, like seven hours up to that point. And it was just really frustrating to watch that actress get just wasted by the demands of the plot. Um, it helps generally a little bit that I do think that Connor Jessup and Amelia Jones, who play Tyler and Kinsey respectively, are pretty solid. They're solid. Um, they're not great. They're solid. No, they're solid. And 
again, like there's sort of like a through line of, yeah, they're playing teenagers, so they're kind of all over the place in terms of mood. That makes sense. But also a degree of consistency type of thing is a little hard to find. And part of that boils down to a script level of, again, that the first like maybe three to four episodes of the show feel like a show that's going to be about how these keys tie into their grief about losing their father and the fracturedness of the family, which for me feeds into the Hill House thing. But then it just like shifts real hard and swerves real out hard out of that mode to this like supernatural adventure thing where in which nothing of that first couple of first three episodes matters anymore, really. And only Nina is sort of still in that vein but she has nothing to bounce off of and nothing to do because everything keeps happening around her. So it's just frustrating. And I think that this is a decent cast that could have been better, will be better served, provided they get a second season, by the fact that the show, based on how it ends, is now ready to do the stuff that it wants to do. (laughs) So, but yeah, so it was just, it was frustrating. I'm more keen on Bodhi than you are, I think, both on an acting level. But I do agree that there's just, again, big swerves of, yeah, this kid's not great. And then, yeah, no, this kid's not bad type of thing. But I think that's just the show. It's also how they use him. Yeah. Like, as soon as you find out there are magic keys and he's like, I guess, homeschooled, right? But his mom's never there. He's off. He has a whole week. In which he does not have school at the start. Yeah. But then he, we never see him go to school. We never see him we go see to him school. We see him come back from school. He has no a friends. Times, but he has no friends. You know, except it, for, aside from Rufus. Aside from Rufus. And so we just see him wandering around the house. And I'm just like, after that mirror thing, the fact that you let your kid brother just wander around the house while you just go do stuff. Like, I get that they're trying to really push into this, like, irresponsible teenager dealing with stuff kind of thing. But... It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense from what we have seen from these characters and the trauma that they dealt with and that they are, you know, processing and dealing with around losing their their dad and around, like, this violent trauma that happened on how they lost their dad. And so, like, it's like, yeah, no, he's, he's fine. The last time that we left him alone, I mean, he found a key to a different dimension and uh, almost... Our mom almost died in the first episode, but I'm sure he's fine. Don't worry. Like he says, he's he- hearing a voice in a well, but he's just—that's just silly. Like it's so ridiculous. It's such a strain. You know, it's one thing for the mom because the mom keeps forgetting things, but that's not the situation for the kids, and, and so there's no reason for that to be what, like how they react. It's just they don't know what to do with these characters. They need to have them do certain things. And so the, because the plot demands he wander around the house listening for whispers, that's what he does and looks ominous for a while. And it's just, oh, it's annoying. It's I, cause I want it to be better. Cause there are stuff, there's stuff in there that is truly gripping and, and, and things that really do work. I, I mean, I think Dodge works really well as the villain. I like that performance too. The anywhere key is used really, really well. That's one of the first key magic keys. It can, you can, it can make a door go to anywhere as long as it's going to another door and, and that you know that you have that seen you, yeah yeah um and so that's 
that's and they just have a lot of fun with that. They have a lot of fun with the different keys and the creativity of how they're used and all that stuff. They explore some interesting things around dynamics with it. But but there's just not enough there there. And there's too many distractions. And for a show that was in production this long, you would think at the, by the end they would have a streamlined clear focus on it and they, they don't at all and maybe it's because they're trying to make the show be too many things to diff- too many different people um and so when they got to their final product it was more jumbled than streamlined the way you would expect after this lengthy of a process and maybe in a season yeah. two that'll they'll have more clarity but yeah it, i mean it's not a surprise that the adult i'm most interested in is the adult who gets to have their memories <laughs> You know, and they just hand wave that away, by the way. It's like, we found a way. Just, just don't worry about it. Um, yeah. And I just want to, like, also reach into the TV and shake them about Emily. Like, by the end, like, why are you not going to visit and release Emily? But anyways, that's a thing. Hopefully that's vague enough that people who haven't seen it won't know what I'm talking about. People who have seen it will be like, yeah, right? <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I was, for a show that I'm very tepid on i have surprisingly strong thoughts <laughs> strong opinions right. and i think that's the thing is like there's elements of a good type of show in here like i think that there's a legitimately strong show about that there's a good late middle school early high school targeted family show here that has some swearing in it and generally acceptable action violence type of stuff um that's good but this is not that version of it because of how like you say how because of the nature of the rules and everything it prevents the adults from sort of factoring into things um but at the same time because of its sort of like loosey-goosey approach to character to narrative you kind of feel like the idea of well it's kids they don't mind and it's like no yeah, kids that's, notice this they stuff. They do. Don't underestimate kids. We talked about this right. with uh, Zumbo. Don't underestimate kids being yeah. critics. They notice all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, they may be like less turned off by it than like adults or us, um, but they're still going to notice it. They're still going to respond to it in some way, and um, I think that's a really important thing to like keep in mind when you're doing something like this because it definitely, for me, feels like. They want to do a Supernatural-esque, but for a younger set of people. And I think there's plenty of value in that. And I think, like, the finale really kind of drives that home. Um, in no small part, because I'm glad that that finale means that that actor is going to be around more. Because she was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really, I'm really interested in seeing, I would be really interested in seeing how that played out if I was actually going to watch a second season. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm not. Yeah. So I just, yeah, there's, there's a better show here, but the show that is here is like, it's fine. And I can't recommend binging it, but at the same time, I can't imagine stretching it out across like 10 weeks because no. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you are interested in the premise or the show, if you like the comic and want to see what they did with it, or you've heard about it and you want to check it out, like, go for it. If you yeah. if you haven't heard of it, I'm not going to recommend this show to you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm i not going to be like, oh, you should really seek out Lock and Key. No. 
But if you, yeah. you know, maybe it's someone who likes puzzly kind of shows who wants something that they can just really just kind of wash over them and have some like a beach read kind of, but I feel like that's underestimating beach reads because they have a very yeah. valuable place. But yeah, just sort of like a, I feel like it's an after school adventure show that hints at darkness, but really is safe. So it's fine. Like yeah. that kind of a thing. And I, I mean, I'm not going to actively recommend that. I'm not going to say steer clear, but I'm not going to actively recommend it. Right. And there's other things to sort of like not actively recommend, including, I mean, I don't know if it's statutory rape or not. It's really hard to tell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's tough to tell. Yeah. It's tough to tell given the situation. Given the, yeah. So, yep. There's weird questions that parents, you may not want to answer. <laughs> In this yeah. show that's ostensibly a sort of a family show. Yeah. Again, it's unclear who this show is for. Yeah. Yep. Well, and on that note, let us know what you thought. Let us know if it was for yeah. you. Because we want to know who it was for. A few show notes here at the end of the podcast. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can send us an email, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or you can find us an Apple podcast with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up on Stitcher, so we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either there, either there or over at Apple Podcasts. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks for a great week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.